0: Thank you, Benny, and uh, thank you, Paul. And uh, thanks to all of you all for praying for me. You know, I've been back from uh, China for two and a half years, and it's time for me to uh, leave again. Uh, This time for a new assignment in a new city that I'm uh, not that familiar with, so I will really value your prayers for me. And uh, Benny prayed for my accommodation. That's something that is still not uh, resolved, still not settled. Uh, So I will appreciate uh, your prayers uh, in the coming weeks. this morning we're going to talk about the coming of god's kingdom and uh before i start i like to tell you a little secret about myself yeah uh nothing spectacular so don't get too worried yeah? uh, I, I like to watch uh what you call the uh you know so all these sword fighting uh, movies because they are full of action and uh full of ridiculous plot and uh, the hero always end up winning. Uh, that's the best part about it, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, in case you think that uh, I'm a little bit loud too, because nowadays people don't watch these sort of shows, uh, these sort of movies. Yeah. You go for the high tech, you know, 3D type. Uh, last week, in the Sunday time, I found a very interesting article. You know, and uh, this guy, uh, uh, Mr. Chong, uh, who is the CEO of uh, Escort, one of the biggest. Uh, you know, listed company in Singapore and uh, in the hospitality business. He says that uh, to be a CEO, read martial arts novel. I guess I didn't read enough. That's why I'm still not a CEO. So uh, for the young guys, uh, young aspiring uh, aspiring, uh, uh, people, you know, if you want to be a CEO, read martial arts uh, novel. So while on this theme about uh, martial art, I'd, I'd like to tell you the story of uh, uh, the Three Generals. Yeah? And uh, during the warring period in China where you know, there are states that uh, always fight against one another, uh, the king of uh, one of these states thought that it would be a good idea if I can expand my territory. So obviously he started to uh, eye his uh, neighboring king's uh, territory and uh, he wanted... Uh, to conquer it. He wanted to take over that territory so that he can become a more powerful king. So he called his generals together and uh, wanted their advice. The first general who is uh, the Gango type, you know, stepped forward and said, Oh king, let us launch an attack on the neighbor straight away. Our armies are bigger, they are better trained, they are better equipped, and... Uh, I'm very confident we will be able to win the war straight away and uh, take over this uh, uh, kingdom for you. Yeah, the king said, that's nice, yeah, uh, that's a good idea. But uh, how about others? So the second general came forward and uh, spoke and uh, said, I disagree, you know, while our armies may be stronger, more powerful, better equipped and better trained, we will suffer heavy casualties if we were to attack Them uh, straight on because as you can see, you know their cities are well walled. You know you have high walls and therefore you will suffer many casualties. I suggest that uh, we should lay a siege, you know, and uh, stay lay a siege for as long as needed, so that when they are weakened, when they have no more food, when they have no more water, then we attack. That way we will not suffer so many casualties. the king nodded in agreement. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, How about any others? And then a third general came out and spoke. He said, oh king, you know, uh, with all due respect to the other two generals, they are wise and their methods are good. But I'd like to suggest a totally different approach. Instead of going to war with the neighboring states, we should make peace with them. In fact, we should send our ambassadors to them, you know, bring them lots of gifts and even marry off our princesses uh, to them. So once they get comfortable with us and they think that we are no longer their enemies, that, that is the best time for us to attack them because that is when they start to uh, let down their guards and uh, when they least expect it, we attack them and you can be sure that our victory will be quick because they will be caught totally unprepared. The king was very pleased with this last idea and instructed that the third general to carry out the plan immediately. So there's no price for guessing that what happened to the neighboring state when they started to get complacent and to let down their guards. In case if you're wondering why I'm telling you this silly makeup story, yeah? uh, You thought I'm really getting a bit senile, getting a bit old, yeah? Uh, I have just told you the story about Satan and his three devils. Right? See the parallel? Satan and his devils will go all out and use all sorts of methods to attack their enemies, which, by the way, happens to be us as Christians, isn't it? Yeah? And be careful. All of the three methods will succeed in one way or another, but the one that will get us really, truly down is the last one. Where, when we become complacent, we let down our guards, and that is when the devil strikes us when we least expect it. So, I've just told you a parable, a makeup parable that uh, I, I, I dream up. It's not a fanciful story, it is a parable. And in the same way, Jesus spoke parables to the multitude. You know, there are many people who wanted to hear Jesus, wanted to hear his teaching. But Jesus spoke to them in parables. And so today, we begin a new series called The Parable of Jesus. And we want to start with the first one, the coming of God's kingdom. So what exactly is a parable? I'm glad that uh, a number of the cell group have already started this series. And uh, you already started the Bible study with the uh, uh, DVD and then the uh, study guide. So that's good, yeah? And I hope that uh, this sermon will help to refresh the Bible study that you have done. So what exactly is a parable? A parable is a story that Jesus told by using common things and common items that people associate with in their daily living. So Jesus used examples like seeds, uh, example of nature and all that. Why? This is so that he can describe spiritual truth and reality that these people will have never seen or will never have heard of. No one has ever seen the kingdom of God. So what exactly is the kingdom of God? So as Jesus told the parables to his listener, he was helping them to visualize, to understand, and to have a better uh, feel of what exists about the kingdom of God. So in the uh, Gospel of Mark chapter 13, Jesus told three parables to his listener about the coming of God's kingdom. So the first parable is about the weeds, the second one about the master seed, and the third about the east. For a moment, I thought Paul was uh, going to, uh, you know, give away the total, total secret, then I have nothing to say later on, but uh, I'm glad he stopped. Thank you very much, uh, Paul, yeah? But uh, that was a good introduction. So Jesus told three parables here, uh, to teach his listener about the coming of God's kingdom. Now, sadly, many of his de- listeners did not understand his parables. Not surprising. And even what is more surprising is that his disciple did not understand the meaning of a Jesus' parable. And Jesus had to explain the meaning of the parables to his disciples separately, separately when they are alone. So why did Jesus speak in parables? We read here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11 to 15, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Though seeing, they do not see. Though listening, they do not hear or understand. For these people's heart has become collapsed, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. So, Jesus spoke in parable so that not all will understand. The purpose of his parable was both to conceal and to reveal. And basically, for those who do not understand, uh, what we have read earlier in Matthew chapter 13 tells us that they don't understand because their hearts are hardened. Not because Jesus was not willing to reveal the truth to them, but because their hearts were hardened they could not understand the meaning of uh, Jesus' parable. So let us be careful that uh, we do not fall into the same trap, that when our hearts become hardened, we do not respond to Jesus' teaching and uh, the meaning of his parable. Now, for us to understand the three parables that Jesus spoke, uh, a good starting point is first to understand the background and the circumstances when Jesus spoke these uh, three parables uh, to his listener. We all know that during Jesus' time, uh, the Jews were under Roman occupation and uh, they suffered badly under the Romans. Now being a very nationalistic race, they long for a deliverer to get rid of the Romans so that they can be free again. In fact, Uh, There was a Jew about uh, 150 years before Jesus, uh, a Jew called Judas Maccabus. And uh, he led a rebellion against the Romans. And initially, they were fairly successful. But the Romans, being the stronger of the two, they retaliated and uh, they quickly suppressed the rebellion. So for a short period, the Jews thought that they could be free from the Romans' rule. But then, the Romans came back with even greater vengeance. So their only consolation that was left is that if there's no physical liberation, then they could only hope for God to liber- liberate them one day. So they kept on to the promise that God will send a Messiah to the Jew one day. When would that happen? They do not know. But they long for it and they look towards the day when the Messiah will come. So when John the Baptist appeared, Before the start of Jesus' ministry, he started to preach about the Kingdom of God. So we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, that John the Baptist proclaimed, the time has come, the Kingdom of God is near. When you have a recognized prophet like John the Baptist telling all the Jews that the time has come, the Kingdom of God is near, uh, it is not surprising, therefore, that the Jews taught that Jesus was the Messiah that they have been longing for. for, Because Jesus, just like John the Baptist, began to preach about the kingdom of God. Now, however, we will soon discover that this is not what it was to be. In fact, the disciples make the same mistake as the uh, the, the Jewish people around them. Uh, they, they fall into the same trap Thinking that Jesus is the Messiah that will come and liberate, liberate them from the Romans' rule, so we read in uh, the uh, Matthew chapter eighteen, uh, the disciples they got nothing better to do. You know, they argue among themselves and they say, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And then, in Matthew chapter twenty. The mother of the sons of uh, Jebedee, which is uh, John and uh, James, she came to Jesus, and guess what? She begged Jesus to allow her two sons to sit on his right hand and on his left hand when his kingdom come. They all thought that Jesus is going to be king one day. So uh, being a good mother, why not put in a good word? So uh, Jesus, can you let my son, doesn't matter, one of them on the right and the one of them on the left. And surprisingly, that even after Jesus was crucified, after he was buried, after he was uh, uh, resurrected, and just before he ascended into heaven, we read in Acts chapter 1 that before Jesus' ascension, what question did the disciples ask Jesus? They asked, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now? They thought, that Jesus, having been resurrected, will restore the kingdom of Israel uh, uh, right away. So, the Jews, the disciples, clearly did not understand that when Jesus talked about the coming of God's kingdom, he was talking about a different kind of kingdom that they they did not uh, expect or realize. So, we have the three parables that Jesus uh, told in Matthew chapter 13. I will encourage you to go back and uh, read the passage uh, for yourself and uh, understand a bit more about these uh, three parables that uh, Jesus told. So, in the first parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus described an owner who sowed good seeds into the field, but in the night his enemy came along and he sowed, the enemy sowed weeds among the wheat. Now, in ancient warfare, it is common practice uh, to try to destroy your enemy crops, isn't it? Because if you succeed, then your enemy will become weakened because he will run out of supply. And it's a very simple principle. If you don't have enough to eat, you won't have the strength to fight. So as much as possible, your enemy will try to destroy your crops because they know that your supply will then be cut off. Now, Jesus wants us to be perceptive that it is no different in so called spiritual warfare. That our enemy, the devil, will try to destroy us. Yeah? We live in modern times, we think that it is a silly idea when uh, we talk about the devil. Or what devil? You know, uh, science and technology will prove that there's uh, no such thing. But in the spiritual realm, This is what Jesus wants us to be perceptive, that indeed there is spiritual forces behind and the devil who is our enemy will try to destroy us. Now, take 10 minutes back. If you remember the story of the three generals, it is a similar method that the devil will use against us to destroy us. So in the first method, the devil could attack us directly. So he could give us a major setback or a major illness or something that is terrible. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, each time we suffer a sickness or a a major setback, it is a spiritual attack. But then the devil can always use this to his advantage. Now, in the second method, he can attack us through a prolonged period of uh, uh, sickness or prolonged period of uh, pain and suffering so that he begins to wear us down, isn't it? But in the third method, he could just simply allow us to relax, get complacent, get comfortable, let down our guards, and that is when he attacks us when we least expect it. So we need to be perceptive to the fact that the devil is up to his trick. He has got different tricks up his sleeve. We need to understand that the devil is our enemy. We also need to be perceptive to the fact that the devil, who is the enemy, will try to sow weeds among the wheat. So it should not surprise us when we see problem in the church. It should not surprise us when we see that uh, there are this division and a dissension in the church, because the devil will try all means, all kind of methods to try to undermine the church. I certainly hope that uh, this will not happen in PPH, but. Be perceptive when it happens. So Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, that we are to be wise as snake, but harmless as dove. We need to be perceptive not only to what the devil is doing. I think that's important. But what is more important is that we need to be perceptive to what God is doing. I think that's even more important. Because if we are perceptive about what God is doing, then we have no worry about what the devil is trying to do. So, if you go back to the parable, you will read that uh, the servants discovered that the weeds was, were there and they wanted to go into the field and to pull out the weeds, isn't it? Yeah? But the owner said no. Because why? In the process of doing that, they could actually harm the wheat. The good guys, yeah. So the owner told told the servants to leave uh, uh, the wheat alone until the day of harvest, and then you can easily distinguish between the two. Now this parable is clearly teaching us that uh, it's teaching us that God's kingdom, when it is finally established, there will be a day for final judgment. And on that day, we will understand clearly who belongs to God and who do not. So we read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 31 to 34, that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate, separate what? His people from one, one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So Jesus clearly teaches us in the parable that there will be a final harvest and there will be a final separation between God's people and those that who do not belong to Him. And that final separation will also result in a final judgment because the wits the, the will be thrown into the fire. Now, the Jews, during Jesus' time, they misunderstood. They did not uh, realize that God's kingdom was coming. And and they all thought that it was all about a physical kingdom where the Romans will be kicked out, a new Jewish king will be uh, set up, and then they can uh, be free and enjoy uh, their living. But uh, Jesus talked about a different kingdom from what they were expecting. Now Jesus also promised us that he will come back a second time. And when will he return? Nobody knows. Yeah? Non-Christian laugh at us because uh, we have been waiting for more than two thousand years, and uh, we are still waiting. So uh, when will Jesus come back? Yeah. So Jesus tells us that uh, we need to be perceptive. We do not want to miss, or rather, we do not want to be not prepared when Jesus returns a second time. So in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse thirty-two to thirty-three. Uh, Jesus tells us that now learn this lesson from the fig tree. What's the lesson? As soon as its twigs gets tender and leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. So Jesus was talking about his second coming, and how do we know when he's coming? Jesus said, when you see all these things you know that it is near, right at the door. So what are all these things that will tell us Jesus' coming is imminent. It is soon. It's going to happen very quickly. So if you go through and read the whole chapter of Mark chapter 24, Jesus talks about false prophet, Jesus talks about wars and uh, rumors of wars, talks about famines and uh, earthquakes, uh, talks about persecution, talks about apostasy, and talks about the preaching of the gospel to all the nation. And all these things will happen just before Jesus returned the second time. Are we living in the age? You go and judge for yourself. And that's why Jesus wants us to be perceptive, so that when we see things happening around us, we need to understand what is God doing in the world. What is God doing? make his kingdom come. Now the weeds, uh, the weeds that the enemy had sown are known as the bearded darnel. So this plant, if it's consumed, it can cause dizziness and nausea. And it looks very much like wheat. So normal thing, you know, you can't dif- differentiate between the two. And uh, The servant wanted, as I said earlier, to go in and straight away pull it out. But the owner told told them, wait until the day of harvest. Because when that happens, then it is clear what is what. So the owner wanted his servant to be patient. Because there is a time for everything. The time will come when you can make a difference, when you can distinguish clearly between the good guy and the bad guy but we need to be patient. And in the same way, quite often we cannot really tell a true Christian from a one who professes to be a Christian but is not a true Christian. But we know that if we are patient in the final day of judgment, the truth will be revealed to us. God has His timing and we cannot hurry Him. God's kingdom will come According to his timing, and we cannot hurry him. He allows the weeds to grow alongside the wheat, but there will be a day for the harvest. So, we read here in Luke chapter 9 uh, uh, 54 that the disciples were just like the uh, servant in the parables, they were impatient. They were impatient. So, in Luke chapter 9, uh, Jesus and his disciples went into a Samaritan village. And uh, they were not welcome. They were told, please go away. We don't want you to be in this village. And uh, the disciples were angry. They were upset. And they said, how can you do, do this to us? To the extent that James and John wanted to call down heaven uh, from fire, uh, uh, fire from heaven to destroy this uh, Samaritan village, they were impatient. Yeah? And Psalms 37 verse 7 tells us that we need to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. We often pray the prayer, God, give me patience, right? Yeah, But I want it now! <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, We pray for patience, but we want it now. And we need to learn how to be patient because God has a timing for everything. And in fact, God has a reason for His own timing. So we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, uh, it tells us that the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. In fact, God is patient with you, with me, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So take encouragement in this word. God is patient, and so we need to learn to be patient with us. Uh, uh, we need to learn to be patient as well. God is not done with us yet. There are so many areas in our life, including myself, where God still needs to work. And He's patiently working in each one of us. So we too need to learn how to be patient. This is not about a CSI story. This is a true life story. Uh, many years back, uh, in fact, I think some of you will know this story. Uh, Victor, who is the nephew of uh, Kai Chong. Kai Chong is my sister, Sophia's husband, and uh, they were in our church uh, previously before going to another church. Uh, Victor lost his mother when uh, he was young. Uh, so basically, he grew up in a home where there's not the, the, the warmth of a motherly love is missing because why the father has to work hard you know, uh, to, to support the family to earn a living. So Victor, because of the lack of motherly care, he got himself into bad company. And uh, during his NS day, uh, one of those nights, he returned home drunk, very drunk in fact. Uh, He inserted his keys into the HDB uh, apartment. I think it was on the fifth or or sixth floor, I can't remember. But uh, he did not open the door. The keys were just there. And... For some reasons that we still do not understand up to now, Victor was found at the bottom of the HTV flat the following morning. And he was very fortunate because there were workers who had to leave their home early, maybe 5, 6 a.m. to go to work, and they found this young man lying motionless at the bottom of the apartment. So did Victor commit suicide? Or did he get so drunk that he just fell over uh, uh, you know, the, the, the wall and uh, fell onto the floor. We don't really know. The next morning, when the father got up to go to work, as he left home, he noticed that uh, the key was uh, in the main door. So he was a bit surprised, but he thought, okay, Victor has left for camp. Maybe he forgot to uh, uh, retrieve his key and uh, he went to work. So when the father got down to the bottom of the apartment, uh, bottom of the block, He saw quite a commotion because, you know, there were people gathered around somebody who has fallen over the apartment. So quite naturally, out of curiosity, he went to have a look and to his shock, that was none other than his son, Victor, lying literally half dead on the floor. God was very merciful. God spared Victor's life. So he was fortunate, as I said, people found him, sent him to the hospital and his life was spared. And in the hospital, the... Doctor did all the necessary scan, They found that many bones were badly damaged because that's quite a, uh, you know, uh, a serious fall. But most importantly, the doctor found that his spinal bones were damaged. And urgent operation was required because if they waited any longer, Victor could become a vegetable for the rest of his life. Yeah. But each time an operation was scheduled, Victor will develop a high fever. And the doctor would say, "No, we can't proceed. we have to wait. We have to wait for the fever to subside before we can proceed with the operation." And this went on for almost a month. yeah and uh, the family got desperate. Kai Chong got desperate. you know uh, some of you may remember prayer chain was sent out. Uh, many people prayed for victor. but each time an operation was scheduled, he developed a high fever, and then they could not proceed. So finally, the doctor decided that, uh, okay, it's taking too long. We cannot wait anymore. Fever or no fever, we're going to operate on him. So they sent him for a final scan before they begin the operation. And when the doctor did that final scan, they were surprised. The bones had healed by themselves during that one month of waiting. It was America. It was America. And they said, no, we don't have to operate on him anymore. You won't believe it. Yeah, my sister Sokia, who was there when the doctor broke the news to, to her, she's a trainer. Said, "Doctor, can you say that again? <laughs> Are you sure what you're saying?" And and the doctor said, "Yes, we don't have to operate on him because in that one month of waiting and waiting and waiting, God healed Victor naturally. Today, Victor is walking fine. You know, he's just like any uh, 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 normal person. You know, you would never have guessed." that he could have become a vegetable during that time. God has his own timing. God has his own timing. We were impatient. We wanted the doctor to do the operation as quickly as possible. But God said, no, just wait, just wait, just wait. One month, almost one month. And God healed Victor during the process. And please pleased to say also that Victor and his father, Both of them received uh, Jesus into their life after this uh, miraculous healing. So, if you have never heard of a miracle, this is a real one. I saw it with my own eyes. It was a true personal encounter. Now, the last point that I want to share with you as we discover the three parables is that uh, Jesus wants us not only to be to be uh, perceptive, not only to be patient, but Jesus also wants us to be proactive. So in the parable of the master seed, as uh, what Paul said earlier, the master seed is the smallest of all seeds, but when you plant it, it grows into a tree. But master seed don't just grow in a tree. Somebody has to plant the seed, Somebody has to water it, somebody has to add fertilizer, somebody has to nurture that the mustard seed before it grows into a tree. Isn't it? Yeah. So God's kingdom has a similar parallel. It starts in a small way. Yeah? But when we are proactive to build the kingdom of God together with God, then we'll find that the kingdom begins to grow begin to extend its influence and begins to impact on many lives uh, around us so in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 we are told not to despise small things do not say peanuts yeah uh, don't bother about it no do not despise small things because from the small thing God can turn that into a big thing so, In the miracle of uh, the feeding of the 5,000, guess what? How did it all start? It started with five loaves and uh, two fish, isn't it? Small thing, five loaves and two fish. But Jesus used that to feed 5,000 people. But the interesting thing about that is that before Jesus could perform the miracle, somebody has to bring that five loaves and two fish to them first, right? So listen to the conversation that Jesus had with his disciple in Mark chapter 6, and especially verse 38. So Jesus asked his disciple, how many loaves do you have? No answer, obviously, zero. <laughs> and Jesus said, go and see. Then when they found out, they said five and two fish. Yeah? They thought, well, no loaf, no bread, no fish, Nothing I can do, but Jesus told his disciples to go and look for the bread and for the loaf uh, and the fish. And they found it, and they brought them to Jesus, where then he uh, performed the miracle of feeding the five thousand. Okay. So, in case you don't watch a lot of movie, this is uh, one movie I will recommend. It's called Paying It uh, Forward. Yeah. And in this movie, uh, the teacher. Ask the students. These are about nine, ten years old students. To say, go home, uh, think about it, and uh, tomorrow in a lesson, uh, I'd like you to suggest a way where you can change the world. Wow, big assignment. You know, small kid, nine, ten years old. You expect them to change the world. How to do, do it? Okay. Yeah. The kids went back and uh, they came back the next day, and uh, one smart lad came up with this idea. Say, you know. It's an interesting idea, they say, on a certain day, at a certain time, yeah, we all fix it. All the children in the world will jump off uh, either the chair or the table or some elevated uh, uh, area and uh, jump. The idea is that uh, when all the children jump and hit the ground together at the same time, the impact will be so great that it will tilt the earth. Remember, our earth is slightly tilted, yeah? It will cause the earth to be upright, and when the earth is upright, then it's going to face the sun directly, and the season will change, and the world will change. Good idea. ah, Very interesting, but uh, I don't think it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, smart aleck. Then the second student came up with a very different idea. He calls it paying it forward, paying it forward. What he told the class is that uh, if I were to help three persons, so you can see me up there, I help three persons, uh, but I have a condition that for these three persons that I help, I want them in turn to go and help three others. And uh, they must tell the three others that they help, that uh, they must go and help three others each, right? So I start with one, I help three, three help nine, 9 help 27, and then my math runs out. Yeah, I need a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> so you see, it's a simple idea. Isn't it? it starts very small. Just one person doing a, a good deed, helping somebody. Help three person. The three person go and help nine person. Nine go and help 27. And then you keep multiplying. It is no different from what the nav- navigators are is doing, isn't it? They do disciple training. So if I can train three disciples, three disciples will train uh, nine others, the nine will train 27, and so on and so forth, God's kingdom will be enlarged very, very quickly. It will be extended far and wide. And indeed, we see the success of what the navigators have been doing since it was founded many years ago. So it is uh, similar to the principle of uh, what we see in the parable of the Master Seed, and the parable of the yeast. For those who do baking, you will know what is yeast for, right? You put a little yeast into the dough, mix it up, and guess what? The dough will fluff up, isn't it, when you bake it. But when there's no yeast, the dough becomes solid as a rock, isn't it? And you can't even eat into it. So all you need is a little yeast, but you need to be proactive to make the yeast into the dough. Mix it up well so that the ease can then you know, uh, 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 react and then uh, cause the door to expand. This is the same with God's kingdom. And uh, that is where Jesus wants us not only to be perceptive, not only to be patient, but also to be proactive. We have a part to play. God invites us to extend His kingdom together with Him. He doesn't need us, but then he has given us that the opportunity where we can work with him to extend God's kingdom. I'd like now to invite the uh, musician to come on stage. We'll sing a response song. Uh, shall we rise and uh, sing the response song together?
1: Now justify, Purify, not justify.
0: Uh, Remain standing and uh, close with a word of prayer. I'll just uh, give you some time to reflect upon what God is uh, speaking to you today. Are you already part of uh, God's kingdom? If you are not yet, I welcome you to come and enter into God's kingdom because Jesus has promised us that whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Here is the opportunity for you. If you are still not part of God's kingdom, to do so today, come into His kingdom. For those of us who are already in God's kingdom, let us learn the lessons of Jesus' parable. Let us learn how to be perceptive, how to be, be patient, and how to be proactive in working with God to extend His kingdom. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven you taught us that when we pray we ought to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Lord this morning we want to pray that your kingdom will come not only into our midst but into the whole world because the whole world needs you Lord we want to pray that your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven so that as your kingdom is revealed to people who do not yet know you as they enter into your kingdom may your name be glorified may you be pleased may you be honored may you be blessed may you be praised lord we want to pray for ourselves too that we may learn to work with you lord uh, as you lead us As you guide us that we will be your servant in the kingdom to help to extend your kingdom. And we want to affirm again this morning that your kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. That the day when Jesus returns, then his kingdom will be finally established once and for all. And we look forward to that day and we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.